0: Hey there, rantineers and fellow film lovers. It's your host, Brennan McGee here. If you like our show, you can support us now on Patreon at patreon.com slash thereal rant. And in all honesty, whatever you find between those couch cushions helps us out greatly. All right, on to the new episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Real Rant, the place where we like to rant about... The real stuff. My name is Brennan McGee, and sitting across from me, as always, is the illustrious Sexy Boy. Who are you, dude? Corey McMedison. Hello, everybody. He's throwing those pills out there for everybody to take. To I'm become... not a drug dealer. Okay. I meant, like, happy pills. I forgot to say That's happy. That sounds just, <laughs> just as bad. It does. Now that I'm hey, thinking about it. Hey, you need those
1: happy pills.
0: <laughs> well, I guess. Well, I'm not condoning anyone go out and sell drugs. That's not what I'm doing. But
1: if you are going to get drugs, come to me. No, I'm just kidding.
0: You're not a doctor, <laughs> not <laughs> even yet. though your name is Corey McMedicine, mm-hmm. and it's really Corey McEwen. Yeah, but who who weird. are we kidding? Though I don't know. Yeah, who are we kidding? I almost went. I almost for some reason went to like a Mario route. I went like, what is it? What is he called? Super Mario Medicine? What is that? Mario? Oh, uh, Doctor Mario. <laughs> oh, Doctor Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Super Mario Medicine. I don't know. I was like trying to come up with a reaction. Hi. Yeah, I was trying I was, tryn- like, I was yeah. trying to do like a reaction to what you were oh, saying. I was like okay. woohoo, or something like that. <laughs> Mickey Mouse. Yeah, Mickey Mouse more like it. Yeah. But anyways, but the we whole gangs ge- here. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, we have a guest this week. What? <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> what? Yeah, we have a guest Since every, when every single week. It's amazing. Yeah. I never noticed them. <laughs> <laughs> well, they walk in, you talk to them and then they sit down, you just forget they're there. Who? <laughs> all
2: right. Who are you, my friend? Just so I notify uh, Corey, Isaac Delabao here. Yeah. <laughs>
0: oh, hey. Didn't see ya. Oh, hey. Yeah, sir. It's hiding behind the chair. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Good to meet ya. <laughs> Bumblebee tuna. No, uh, Isaac Delabao is uh, one of two Delabaos. Well, there's multiple Delabaos because you have a whole family. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a couple.
0: So Isaac is the first of the Delabaos to come on the show. There's a lot of you. They're all significantly taller than me and the rest of the world. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, but yeah, no, you have a brother, and uh, we met through your brother when we were kids. Yeah, a long time ago, long like, time ten ago. years now, I'd say. Gosh, like further than that, I think, man. Yeah, yeah. like way longer than that. Uh, about eleven, actually, eleven years. About eleven years. That's <laughs> yeah, way longer. <laughs> <laughs> Just one more year. Uh, but no, me and your brother met like in the eighth grade or something like that, and um, and it's funny. We were supposed to record with him about a year ago and it just never played out as usual well no no no. he was here and we were supposed to record and then Corey was sick what Cor- uh, what episode was that supposed to be oh that was supposed to be uh secondhand lions
1: oh yeah yeah
0: hopefully one day we'll get get him back on the show but now mm-hmm. you've got bragging rights right. secondhand brother yeah. <laughs> yeah you've got you've got the fact that you're now taller than him because you used to not be as tall as him yeah you're now taller than him and you've been on the real rant before him how do you feel Pretty good. Yeah. Better than when I uh, could announce that I was taller than him, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty cool. I remember that was a big thing for you because your whole family is super tall. It's weird. Literally a big thing. (laughs) Oh,
2: yeah. He still still doesn't accept it. When I uh, bring it up, he brings up the fact that he's stronger or smarter or pretty much better at anything else. Yeah. All right. On to the show.
0: Let's uh, start with the plugs. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Brendan underscore McGee. That is B-R-E-A-N-D-A-N underscore M-C-G-H-E-E. Thanks, Mom and Dad. And Corey, where can they find you? They can also find me on Twitter at Corey McEwen1. Because you number one, boy, boy. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at The Real Rant Pod. If you are a fan, a filmmaker, or a creator, go ahead and get in touch with us because we'd love to hear from you. If you want to send the show an email, you can send us an email at TheRealRantPodcast at gmail.com. Sun is something nice, mean or in between, it's all juicy just the same. And as same goes for Twitter, if you are a fan, filmmaker, or a creator, and like to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you because we love yeah, hearing from people, right? Oh, big time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just reiterating the same thing. Yeah. We like hearing from you, but also hearing from you. Well, that's because it's true. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. If you want to follow the show on Instagram, you can do so at the Real Rant, all one word, no spaces, where you can find behind-the-scenes photos of what's going on in our lives when we're in front of a microphone and sometimes when we're not. And if you're feeling real jazzy, you can go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever listening platform you're listening to us on right now because it helps out the show. And while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and uh, give us a review? Because again, that helps out the show just as much. Gets those numbers up. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. Got a well, lot, yeah. of, lot, a lot of nice uh, people out there giving us some, um, giving us some reviews of the show and some love and some love. We yeah. love that love. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that love. <laughs> and last but certainly not least, you can go ahead and visit our website at therealrant.com. because hey. We own that domain, and you can find all of everything we have just mentioned up in the top left-hand corner of the home screen. Next time on The Real Rant, we'll be discussing Denis Villeneuve's film Prisoners, so stay tuned for that. Hey, Corey, guess what time it is? What time could it possibly be? It's time for the film of the week. The film of the week. Ha ha. The film of the week. Ha ha. Give me the magic sword. Okay. The film of the week this week is... Patch Adams, starring Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Good film, hey, Corey? Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I don't think I've ever seen this film in its entirety before, but I remember seeing bits and pieces of it. Yeah. Corey, you had seen it last, like, years and years and years I, ago. I
1: think I've seen it before, or either I've seen it a long time ago, or I just saw the scene with the squirrels. Okay. Because that, I recognize that. Uh- yeah, I I've seen this film
0: know. I've seen this film in pieces or not at all. I don't even remember. Yeah. I just remember the nose thing was a whole yeah. thing. But Well, this show is not about us. No, it's no, not. It's about our guests and their perspectives and how their perspectives fit in with the listeners out there and our own in this room right now. So as we always like to do, we like to ask our guests why they pick this film? So, Isaac Delabau, why'd you pick this film, my friend?
2: I picked this film? Because I feel that the philosophy in it is something that we're missing a lot in our society right now that we don't uh, treat. If we treat the disease. We don't treat the people.
0: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you think that's kind of like a more prevalent thing today? It's still even when the film was kind of like based in that that time period of like the 60s and stuff like that, that you still think it's something that we're dealing with today. That's a problem.
2: I wouldn't say it's more prevalent. It might just seem more prevalent because we have such social media and we can see what the whole world is doing all the time. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, we've definitely, I think, come a long way in respect to how we treat people and the way we look at mental health and, and different aspects oh, for like sure, that. For sure, for um, sure, for sure. It's just still a pretty big issue, I find.
0: Yeah, and it's it's one too that I that is I know pretty close to you and your brother as well because your brother's in med school right now. Mm-hmm. He's just finishing up, and you are kind of following in your father's footsteps a little bit. And you're going into why don't you tell us, Mister Friend?
2: Well, I'm in a uh, fourth year psychology, and I'll be hopefully going into the counseling program or. Uh, maybe some public speaking or seminars for sure, man. Yeah.
0: Cool. That's super awesome. Yeah. Cause I know your, your dad's, uh, both of our dads were, um, or were, well, my dad is no longer in, uh, the profession, right. but your dad is currently, uh, he runs his own private practice and things like that and counseling. Yeah. yeah he's- um, And, uh, and yeah, I remember your brother and yourself kind of expressing interest in that kind of thing since you guys were really, really young. And that's really kind of cool too, because knowing you guys personally for the last 10 years or 11 years, actually, if we're (laughs) going to be exact, uh, it's something that I know that I think you guys will do great in just given who you are as people, like your brother has already started it. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) But your brother's already started. And I remember it cause like your brother and you have always been busy. But you always have been very good at like calculating what time periods of the day that you have open to the public. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, your brother's worse, though. Because I remember uh, I was going through a rough patch like a couple months ago. And I was like, hey, man, I was wondering if I could see you. And uh, he goes, all right, well, I'm free between the hours of 4 and 6 on Wednesday <laughs> right. and after 8 tomorrow afternoon. And I was just like... <laughs> I was like, oh man, and you you were like, yeah, he's already started it, kind yeah. of thing. You know, it would only
2: get bad. I think if you looked at his calendar and it said like patient four or something <laughs> like that when you're booked in for. <laughs> yeah, but
0: I, I think it's it's pretty great that I think you picked this film too. And I asked your brother because again, you beat your brother at the punchline and coming on the show before him. And I asked him when we had a conversation. I was like, he's like, or no, he asked me, hey, what film did my brother pick? And I said he picked Patch Adams, and he just looked at me like, huh. That's interesting. <laughs> like, I was just like, I, I mean, I don't know. About that. It makes sense to me because like given who you both are and who your family is and you guys all come from this this, this family of wanting to help other people. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I have a lot of respect for you you know, and your profession. I know you guys will do well. But anyways, we're going to roll right over the, the the rest of the discussion of the film. But mm. before we do, let's throw it to Tom with the synopsis. Hey, everyone. How's it going? It's Tom Rombus here.
1: As per usual, I'm not here to cause a ruckus, but I am here to read a synopsis. All right, here we go. In 1969, a troubled man named Hunter Adams checks himself into a mental institution. During his time there, his interactions with the other patients help him realise his desire to help people. Now with the nickname Patch, he leaves the institution and heads to the Medical College of Virginia. Patch's unconventional methods cause him to butt heads with the Dean and some of his fellow students. After seeing that not everyone can afford the care they need, Patch decides to establish his own institute and give care to patients free of charge. Once Patch is found out by the college, he's put up against the medical review board and must fight for his right to become a doctor. Patch Adams
0: All right. Thanks, Tom. So I'd like to start off the discussion. um, I guess we all kind of decided we're going to start off the discussion this way. It's not just my idea. um, (laughs) Because, uh, yeah, we, uh, you know, before the show, we always kind of talk about where we're going to start these discussions. Being someone who um, has to, like, work with mental health on a da- daily basis, I'm not going to say deal with because I'm not going to... I don't deal with mental health. It's something that I live with and it's something that I work with. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I wanted to talk about the mental health aspect of this film and kind of, like, what the film... like. It, okay, so the film was made in 1998. Yeah. Uh, but it is based in... 1969 1968 or something like that is that when he goes to the mental institution i believe so
1: 68 i think yeah possibly it's hard to track the
0: years just because they're constantly jumping around a little bit Mm. um but he goes to the mental institution and it's 1969 and obviously like the institution is like you know everybody like cliche it's very cliche it's it's a lot like one flew over the cuckoo's nest a Mm -hmm. little bit um and how like everybody just kind of like disregards like the actual patients and their needs They're just kind of like housing these people and they're not really taking care of them they're just giving them meds right um and then i kind of want to discuss like if that was really like i wonder because you know we you were saying like we talk about mental health today and how it affects people and how we're able to talk about it more than we used to mm-hmm. now we look back on the 90s do you think that was something that we kind of we're talking about as much then too and the kind of outlook on because you know what I mean like how much of the nineties aspect of the film kind of like and the outlook on mental health kind of works within the the, the like going back in time to nineteen sixty nine kind of outlook. Like or right. is the same outlook kind of present in both aspects of the film. Do you know do you kind of get what I'm saying? Yeah. A I, get what you mean. Yeah, I yeah.
2: think I think mental health uh awareness and sort of relieving the stigma around it wasn't even present until like 2000 sometime yeah because i it's not that people weren't thinking about it and there weren't philosophers psychologists scientists discussing it and and acknowledging the importance of it but it just it was just kept behind the scenes i think for a really long time up until really recently probably Mm -hmm. yeah i yeah and that's
0: what i was thinking because when i was watching the film i was like i really don't like the way this film was discussing mental health in the beginning because they just have a bunch of people why is that well it's just because like the dude the character rudy Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, I can't remember the actor's name.
1: Uh, something. Jet- Michael Jeder or something like that. Yeah.
0: He unfortunately has passed away now. He has. Yes. He was an Airbud, the first Airbud. Oh, really? He was the evil clown. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny about that.
1: him? He plays pretty much this almost the same character in every film. Well, you're that thinking that of the main? Green Mile. Yes, I am. Yeah, 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 yeah. He plays a
0: similar character in the Green Mile as yeah. well. Yeah.
1: I think he plays another like psych- psychiatric ward patient in another film as well. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah, yeah. No, the the problem that I had with that scene was the aspect of the squirrels, mm-hmm. like. Like I get maybe he had schizophrenia mm-hmm. or something like that where he was seeing things, right? That That's schizophrenia, right? Where you see things or is it?
2: Oh, uh, that, that could be a part of schizophrenia. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Or some sort of hallucinogenic yep. thing and going on in his mind. And He was thinking that he saw squirrels everywhere and he couldn't do them. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like the way they dealt with it with Patch was cool. Yeah. I got that. I like that um, because he was just trying to help him get over that aspect. Mm-hmm. but. When they first introduce the character, it's a little bit kind of off-putting. They're like, yeah, he's like, you know, he's afraid of squirrels. And like, you know what I mean? Because like...
2: just a very intense initial scene with him. Yeah. Like than... he...
0: It's just very... It's it's kind of really like graphic. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because Robin Williams has taken on... Like Patch Adams, he's taken backbite as well. Like he has yeah. to walk out of the room. Right. And he's just freaking out about squirrels. And it's like... It's a little... I felt like it was a little bit belittling. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Like because I know that like and this is and this isn't just in this film like i've seen other films where they do quite similar things where they kind of like belittle someone's like you know like hallucinative look on the world yeah. to they be reduce them down to one sort of thing like thing. yeah like oh i see squirrels everywhere i see And i'm not saying like people with these problems they, they see one freaking thing it's just i'm saying that like schizophrenia schi- i'm just saying that schizophrenia or whatever he had or whatever some sort of thing that he had was like there's i feel like it was more than that but at the same time it's like obviously you know the film is meant to be set in a certain time period mm-hmm. it's a hollywood film based in the 90s we're not really talking about mental health to that extent back then you know like even the fact that like patch was suicidal and he's like i need to go to mental institute but there was no like i mean he, i mean granted the fact that it was in the six or the late 60s there was no place for someone like Patch to go to, like like you couldn't go to the hospital, but, like hey, I'm gonna kill myself. Mm-hmm. You know there wasn't me? a counseling system. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there was no counseling system, or even with like Rory or what was the guy's name, Leonard, who's the guy at the end of the film, who like uh, kills Larry, I think. Larry, or, uh, that was uh, Larry or something like that. Yeah, yeah, like, like his, like he was cutting himself, mm-hmm. and like there's a lot of, um, we see that kind
2: of. Did I mean,
1: he, did he admit himself every time he did that or was uh, it oh, that hour? was
2: that was the guy that admitted himself? Yeah. Do you yeah. Remember that? Yeah. I, I, I remember patch saying he saw him in the ER and I remember the mm-hmm. guy who did that. Yeah. But I didn't connect that. Those were the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it was oh, the same okay. guy. He's like,
0: yeah, no, he's self mutilating. Right. Like, okay. His father passed away like two years ago or yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, I didn't like, I, I don't know. I liked the fact that they showed that character reoccurring. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the way they dealt with the character later on. Yeah. Because it kind of gave this sort of stereotype that like all people that are suicidal are like willing to hurt somebody else in the process. He
1: really had like no motivation to just randomly murder some lady. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was kind of weird.
0: And the weirdest part about that too is when you do the research into the film that we were doing kind of before the film is Mm -hmm. we found out that that was not even real. Like that that thing didn't actually happen. Like you know you know Patch Adams didn't have a girlfriend named Corinne who then was killed by some dude with a shotgun or something like that you know right, what I yeah mean? it
2: kind of it kind of makes that like because they're looking they're looking for some reason for patch to fall down and then rise again, yeah. right they're looking for that dramatic fall and i yeah, feel that yeah. they just pushed this idea that his girlfriend gets killed to add this like sort of tension that we always have in movies mm-hmm. between male and female losing love lost yeah, yeah. and it just didn't need it just didn't need that like he could have lost his institution or he could have and I don't know, lost something else that was a bit more tied to the actual story rather than just this random. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh,
1: the movie got actually got a lot of heat for that. Oh, really? From uh, critics and reviewers, they said, you know, the the emotional aspects of this film, especially that part, was felt very forced, mm-hmm. which it did in watching it.
0: Yeah, because it was only like two seconds, and I went, Yeah. And then all gonna... of a sudden she's gone. and It's like, what? like there was like twenty minutes left in the film, and you're like, oh. Mm -hmm. they're going to kill her
2: and he he resolves it in like a day yeah yeah (laughs) yeah like
0: you don't get over the death of someone that you really care about like that yeah like Mm -hmm. it's weird like they they spend a lot of time and you know we're not reviewers or anything we're just looking at this film and like this is in relation to what we're talking about in regards to mental health and the representation of it within the film but like you know when you when someone passes away you know that's like a huge thing Mm -hmm. And they spent a lot of time in this film discussing the length of time of between periods like they didn't stop like this is the period of 1969 1971 when he went to med school Mm -hmm. or whatever you know what I mean like they didn't shy away from that it's like you know it was his last year of med school he's in his third year and then you know his friend or his partner you know is killed in this graphic, you know, suicidal thing.
2: Right, right after they just announced their love for each other. Yeah, exactly. It's like intensely
0: romantic scene. You're kind of just like, what the hell? Like, everything's going good. Why could anything go bad? And I was going to say, I was like, you could have just not had that aspect in the film because there was no real motivation for Patch to, like, he never really references her in that court hearing in that, in that hearing where... No, he, he takes does, a breath
2: at one point about it, but... It, yeah, it, like, doesn't he doesn't really
0: matter. mention her in that hearing to give him motivation to, you know, to talk the way he is. I would believe that whole speech just as much as, as if Corinne didn't die in that aspect, you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because she died, there's, you know, it sucks, but there's there was no basis for it for the rest of the film. Like, there was no discussion about it. She just died, and, yeah. and that was it. Like, you're just kind of like, all right, well... And, and I think the worst part about it is just kind of, what does it say about the film? Well, in a way, like I was kind of alluding to is it was like, it doesn't say very much for people that are, who are, um, who do self harm to themselves. Like mm-hmm. that today is like something that is quite like prevalent. Like I know people who have self harmed, mm-hmm. you know, you know, people who have self harm. Sure. Like everyone here has at least known someone who's self harmed, and that's a pretty like intense thing. And especially now we deal with mental health differently, as you were saying, mm-hmm. um, you know i i don't know i just kind of want to know what your guys' thoughts on that whole aspect of the self-harm piece being within this film in regards to it being within obviously the 60s kind of telling that story and then also kind of the hollywood aspect of kind of you know making someone who self-harms to then go out and kill somebody else do you know what i mean yeah. cuz again like that was a hollywood piece that wasn't in the film like that wasn't a real story yeah they just it added it in for extra. it was hollywood yeah
1: mm-hmm. i yeah i'd say i have a a bigger problem with like with that aspect of the film compared to, like maybe what we saw in the beginning at the psych ward, yeah, where it's like the oh yeah yeah for sure for yeah. Sure. But like yeah, the self harm thing and then just having him just randomly become a killer, yeah. It's like there's mm-hmm. there's no basis. Like people who self harm, they self harm.
2: Yeah, like, they're not related. Really out- he did he did at one point and when he first came to the cabin say he was having some thoughts and he just needed to talk to someone. So I think that part was alluding to the fact oh, okay. that he's having these. And it could be from schizophrenia, or I don't know, any manic state, really. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or,
0: uh, well, I mean, it would be believable to see see that he was maybe going through a manic state or something yeah. like well, that. Well, even mm-hmm. if they explained the reasoning of why he did that, yeah. A bit more, it might there was be... no justification. No, over. not at all. He just. just I don't even remember the... like
1: why she showed up to the house. Well,
0: was... okay. Here is the thing: is like this is kind of a mixed messaging that I I kind of was thinking. And I, I want to kind of get and see what you guys thought on this. Is like. What I got from it was Corinne went to the house to kind of be with Larry because Patch had been throughout the entirety of the film trying to let Corinne know, you know, you got to you got to let people in. You got to let you know, you got to let people trust you. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to connect with your patient. They're not just a patient in room 305. They are. This is Larry. You know, he's <laughs> got problems. Mm-hmm. And that was her moment where she was like, OK, like I'm feeling this now. I've opened up to Patch. I've told him that I love him, this is my moment, I want to, you know, be uh, be this person that Patch is saying that the world and society would benefit from yeah. um, and open up. And she goes and does that, and then she's killed. And you're like, what does that say about, you know
2: patch's philosophy what does it say about patch's philosophy
0: as like let alone a real person like Mm -hmm, this guy mm -hmm. was a real dude
2: who actually lives this philosophy a lot of these things in this film did really happen you know what i mean yeah it kind of belittled the whole thing that they were building up to exactly the fact that she was gonna step out of her shell and exactly
0: yeah and and i i don't know i I guess i kind of want to ask like is that kind of what you got like what did you guys get from that like
2: yeah that was that was i'd say my only quarrel with them with the movie is the fact that it just sort of rushed through those scenes and mm-hmm. put down all the stuff that they were trying to promote throughout the, the whole rest of it
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah
2: so i kind of want to go back to the discussion about the rudy squirrel scene uh, the second one in particular yeah for sure where he actually uh comforts him yeah and he, and he ends up doing it by well, bef- well before he was telling him to like be quiet and mm-hmm. you know like i'm Losing My Rhythm, I think, was something that he yeah, said. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then he tries to rationalize with Rudy on a level he thinks is logical, saying the squirrels are these small creatures. They're not going to hurt you. Yeah. But that's not getting through to him, right? Rudy clearly has this intense fear of whatever squirrel or thing he's seeing. Mm-hmm. But then Patch gets out a gun. And it's obviously an imaginary gun. And he starts playing along in Rudy's fantasy. Mm. And... That is what ends up reaching him. Yeah. So, I think in our society right now, whether it's with uh, mental health, whether it's with kids, whether it's a teacher, any anything really. Yeah. People try to approach a topic or try to approach other people on their level, not on the person that they're trying to uh, inspire or okay. help. They, yeah. they don't go down to the level that they're mm-hmm. that they're at.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, This is actually a discussion that I've been having a lot with Carmen, my partner, recently too, because it's something that I've had to learn, um, because it's been very difficult for me to understand, is the difference between sympathy and empathy, Mm, Um, and that's kind of what you're talking about a little Mm. bit. um, It's where you're really getting into getting uh, I watched a really cool Facebook video, and I'm sure everyone's seen it, where (laughs) it's like uh, someone's in a hole. Oh, Brene Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone's in a hole, uh, and the person in the hole uh, sees a person above them walk by and say, "Hey, can you help me? I'm stuck in this hole." And sympathy—this is the person's sympathy—is at the top of the hole, and they're walking by and they hear this person in the hole say, "Hey, can you help me?" And the sympathy character goes, "Well, what are you doing in the hole? You shouldn't be in the hole. Here's the ways to get out of the hole. You know, you should or, really get—or it looks terrible down there. Yeah, or yeah. you should get a rope. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a person, uh, another person, walks by and it's empathy, and empathy walks by and he stands next to the hole and then climbs into the hole." with the person. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, it really sucks down here, but I'm here for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's the difference between sympathy and empathy and kind of like a visual way to look at it. And I really I really kind of appreciate looking at, you know, how that works in the world today because it's something that I think, like you said, is something that we just as a society have a hard time understanding. Mm -hmm. The difference between sympathy and empathy. Um, And it's something that I've had to struggle with a lot. And it's because I'm someone who my mind is always racing like I'm always going and you know that's why we have a podcast and most yeah. of the time you'll hear my voice over a lot of other people's um, <laughs> but like um it's part of who I am and what I struggle with is being able to discern the two mm-hmm. um, and not help people in a way that's like you should do this, 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 and this, and this, and this. It's like, I've lived a really long life with a lot of different challenges and I know a lot of different ways to get out of those problems because I've dealt with a lot of the problems that a lot of people are just learning how to deal with now, especially like, you know, you and I work on a work on a podcast together outside of uh, outside of this one um, for our university and we'll do with university students and stuff like that and, they'll, and a couple of times we'll talk about mental health and stuff like that and a lot of students are dealing and learning about their mental health and they're kind of like, you know, I've had to use, you know, certain things to get better, stuff like that. And I would immediately just go, well, you shouldn't do that. You know, mm-hmm. that that's my mm-hmm. brain. saying you shouldn't do that. It's not a way a good way to go about it because I've done this and yada, yada, yada. And more recently, I've realized that, like, that's a really stupid way to talk. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like it's like you can't tell somebody that they shouldn't do something. It's like they already know they shouldn't be doing it or or they shouldn't be dealing, being in that situation, but they just don't know how to deal with it. Right. You know what I mean? And they're gonna use whatever tools they can to get out of it until they learn which ones are better for them. And they'll only know which ones are better for them until they try all of them. Because right. right. right?
2: as regardless of how similar the situations are, um, when you look at them, like you, you both have lost a relationship. You both have gone through these similar traumas. Yeah. They're not the same experience. Exactly. And yeah, no matter how much you try to like say, Oh, I've you know, been there and whatnot. If you don't go down to just recognizing how what that felt like, but it's not the same, yeah. Then it's not gonna actually make that connection.
0: Yeah. Uh recently I had this situation with Corey too. Um not only because like I like I've been finding myself more and more like aware. I've taken a step back in my world where I've like stopped and slowed down kind of like all the busyness going on and I've really realized kind of like the kind of person that I want to be versus the person I don't want to be anymore. Do you know what I mean? And, and this again, like this is something that I've been learning to deal with. And I'm really happy that you've come on the show and you brought it this up because mm-hmm. it's super important. I think a lot of people listening would really benefit from it, but like, you know, there's a situation where recently Corey, one of your closest friends passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when it happened, uh, it was kind of like a situation where it was like, you know, I was like, well, f-. like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was yeah. like, I immediately went, oh, man, like, Corey's not going to be the Corey that we know for a really long time. Mm -hmm. He's going to be dealing with this for a lot. And, like, how is that going to affect our relationship? And then I was just like, I was like, God damn it, Brendan, shut the fuck
2: up. (laughs) Like, this isn't
0: about you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's so weird that, like, sometimes it takes... Cause Corey, you're like generally like a happy dude, a very positive person. I've rarely ever seen you break down and be really kind of frustrated or Mm. irritated with the world around you. You know, you generally take it with strides, but when this happened to you, it was something that like totally screwed you up. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think being your friend, I was like trying to figure out how I was going to tackle this situation without doing that whole like empathy versus sympathy thing. Mm. Um, I don't know. Do you want to explain it a little bit? Like, for me, it was, like, I realized that I had to, like, not explain things to you of how things are going to get better.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, like, it's such a weird uh, – because I've never experienced anything like that before. Yeah. It was a very strange experience. Um, but, yeah, like, when, when I was in that uh, space, you know, I had obviously good friends come up to me, you know, try and support me and stuff the best they could. But it's just –
0: like nothing really works you just have to kind of like get through it did you did you feel like I mean I guess this relates to maybe in a way that like Rudy's situation was is maybe he didn't need he didn't know how to ask for help Mm. because there are a lot of people like Rudy out there that they didn't really know how to ask for help Mm -hmm. and so you as a person as like a stranger all they all you can do is try to understand how you might be able to help Mm -hmm. and like patch kind of does this a lot throughout the film. He does that with the patient in 305 who's dying of pancreatic cancer, He tries like three different things. And finally one of them hits, you know what I mean? And it's the discussion of like different topics of how to say that you're going to be dying. It's one of the best scenes in the whole film. That's quite good. Yeah. But that, but in relation to kind of what we're talking about here is it's like, you know, that aspect of all your friends coming around, you trying to support you and stuff. Can Mm -hmm. I ask like, were you two looking for that support to somehow fix you at all? Or help fix you or, like, take away some pain? Not,
1: I mean, not really, just because just of how I am as a person. I yeah. don't really, you know, when I'm in a tough time, I don't really kind of go to people and ask for help. I like to deal with it myself. Yeah. So, I, I like, I, I don't want to say I disregarded what people were saying, but I just didn't accept it. You yeah. Know? Didn't hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It was just something I had to work through for myself. And actually, lucky, well, not lucky enough, but it... Uh, fortunate for me, my mom had like a similar thing going on during the same time. Yeah. So her and I really kind of helped each other out feeling uh, like making each other kind of understand what was going on and feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Cause one of her good friends passed away not too long before that. Yeah. So that was kind of my, my crutch at the time.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. And see, that's, that's where the empathy comes from, right? Cause your yeah, mom totally. could recognize that she knows what that feels like. She's yeah. had that feeling before. But yeah. she
0: didn't come and say to you, Hey Corey, here's what you can do because I've gone no, through this. Yeah.
2: Not at all. yeah. I mean,
0: the only thing that I'm not saying your mom would do that in the first place. But <laughs> no, I'm no, saying no. like if it was any other person, like say it was a friend sure. who had pat like their family member or something like that had passed mm-hmm. away and they came to you and said, like, you know. Yeah. Anyway, it... sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt.
1: No, no, that's okay. Um yeah, basically all all my mom and dad said to me was, you know, it's gonna suck for a while, but you know, we're here for you mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. just gonna be something you have to kinda tough out, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, and that's that's, that's, that's important, because I think a lot of people, when they hear someone's upset or when they hear mm-hmm. that something bad has happened, they try to fix it. Oh, God. You know, know. They try to, they try to yeah. say, like... They can try to control it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, totally. yep. um, whereas a better response, just go, that sucks. Yeah. Like, like that is, wow, that is I can't not imagine. They, hear. But, yeah, yeah, I can't imagine what that would be like. Yeah, yeah. There, it, it's difficult, I think. It's so difficult.
0: And I think it's difficult for parents, too, let alone, like like, when I've come to my parents with, you know my my parents dealt with you know things that i've gone through in my life very differently um like my mom tends to try and fix things um whereas my dad has been someone who's like i'll listen to you mm-hmm. i mean given that's my dad's training right um because my dad was a psychologist um my mom who's constantly just trying to always help everybody she's a people pleaser mm-hmm. but when someone you know, when a situation like this were to, when a situation like someone, for example, like someone were to pass away, you know, that I'm close to in my life, she would just go into people pleasing mode and and that's okay because that's just who she is. But a lot of the time, you know, she's a lot like me where it's like, what do you do in those situations? Because there's nothing you can do to help them. Like you can give them a candy bar, but that's not going <laughs> yeah. to, you be know, there. that candy bar isn't going to fix, you know that problem that's not gonna like sit over top you're not gonna be able to melt that candy bar down into some fan fondue and then like heal the wound <laughs> that you have on your heart you know what i mean yeah. that was a weird analogy but you know what i mean like it's just it's weird how we deal with other people's emotions and mm-hmm. i think that this film has a really good you know statement with showing how patch is someone and other people out there you can truly feel empathy for other people you can be there for someone when they have died or when they, you know, are going through the process of dying. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I mean there's actually a, relating to a scene in it when uh, I can't remember his name and it was the character that Seymour Hoffman, Philip Seymour Hoffman plays.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah well, Love that character. Yeah, he
2: uh, when he when he's first having or just after he accused Patch of cheating, Patch goes and confronts him. And 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 he says, "Oh, uh Phillips character says this uh, that he would rather have a prick by his side while he's dying than a helping hand per se. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and the whole point of that is that you don't want transference. You'd rather have like live longer, and that just that doesn't make sense to me because transference, like actually connecting with people, yeah, s- seems like a better medicine and something I'd rather have uh, next to me if I'm going to be dying. What's so,
0: that? What's that word? What is that word? Transference. Transference. What, is, what, is, what do you What do you mean by that? What is that term? I don't even know what you're saying. <laughs> I'm trying to sound like a dingus. No, no, it's
2: all good. Transference is when you... And I don't want to mess this up. because oh, it's okay. <laughs> it's it's <gonna> okay. Be <laughs> anyway. Yeah, transference is when you project your emotions or you take on people's emotions. Okay. So in a situation in a hospital, a transference would be that a patient is... Uh, really upset Mm -hmm. and then you start to become really upset. Mm -hmm. So that is what they're trying to prevent because then they don't want doctors getting in their head like, oh, I'm killing this patient or oh, I...
0: Oh, so it's trying to... You're trying to remove that element so that way you cannot have any emotions when you're making a really intense decision. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And you have indifference, basically.
2: You look at them as a patient, not a person. Yeah.
0: Do you find... I mean, I don't know because, I mean, you're the person who picked this film and you're the person kind of going into this field. Do you find that... You know, and I don't know. Maybe talking to your brother a little bit. I don't know if you have or not about this, but you know, do you find that that is something that is always going to be combated within the medical field itself? That that idea of transference, because when you're talking about it, it's kind of like in the way that patch. Because there is an argument for both sides mm-hmm. here. We're talking about this idea that how like you know you can be a doctor and and want to be there for your patient and cry with your patient, but you also shouldn't be professionally because. If you cry with your patient, then you'll feel for your patient, so you won't make an executive decision for your patient or make a, de- a decision that is based on emotion, but one that's more based on, like, knowledge and actual, like, you know, study and things like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, there's there's actually a good line in the movie where they sort of discuss that. Actually, it's the en- it's the ending speech that Patch makes yep. where he says that you treat a disease, you win, you lose. Yeah. You treat a person, you always win. So in that sense, obviously, there's a he takes it to an extreme example yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in the sure. in the yeah, field, yeah. but it's I don't think it's ever going to be wrong to connect with a patient. Yeah, even if it makes a decision a little bit harder to make, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with feeling a bit upset after a decision? Well, or, I mean,
0: I think it comes down to I mean, there there is I mean, you could make the argument that like too much like what's the balance? Yeah, I think I that's think, what I'm getting. at. I
2: think like surgeons, it's probably a bit a bit more. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure intense because you're actually like operating on a person for multiple hours and mm-hmm. if you ha- if you constantly have in your mind i'm really connected to this person then sure that could be um worse per se but yeah and i don't i don't know i don't know what doctors go through on a daily basis or well, what they're obviously not
0: through. performing surgeries on their friends and stuff like yeah,
2: that. yeah yeah that's actually yeah. A com- i think a conflict of interest it's conflict yes. of yeah, interest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um so I'm, I'm not sure to what degree it is i just i just feel that you know, there should be at least some of it, dependent regardless of who you are. Yeah, mm.
1: yeah. I feel like it's it's pretty hard not to kind of have that connection, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because like, um, I I worked at the hospital. Not I'm no no way a doctor or anything like that. <laughs> but I like I worked at the Tim Hortons inside of Vic General. Right. And like even just doing that, serving a coffee to people That's every funny, now and then, delivery you get like, at Vic Gen. you get
2: sorry. I did I did book delivery at Vic Gen. A book delivery. Yeah, just uh, you hand books around oh together, yeah, and yeah, yeah. stuff
1: like that. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, you know, and you kind of like get to know these people, and even though you're not really treating them medically or whatever, you still have that mm-hmm, slight connection. Mm-hmm. And like, unfortunately, sometimes you see them deteriorate and stuff like that. And it's, it could right. be quite sad. Yeah, I know. So, I can just imagine being a doctor and actually being, you know, more involved with their lives, you know, almost
2: impossible not to have some connection. Right. I know? think, I think the important thing there is that we don't dismiss it because we're scared of it Mm -hmm. that if we want to work on something and we want to change something that we work on how we deal with the sadness after it we don't try to just block it out because it makes us sad yeah, Because totally. that's that's the problem, right? If we start to push these things away, it's always going to be there. Yeah, we need doctors for our doctors. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. It's, I mean, it's so weird when you think about that, like when you have
0: to like think about the idea of like, oh, ever doctor, there's got to be one doctor out there who doesn't have a doctor for something like dealing with mental health. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because like... Like, i have always like, who's the mailman's mailman? Does the mailman deliver his own <laughs> mail? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I remember thinking about that because uh, I remember watching an episode of SpongeBob when I was a kid, and that was something that SpongeBob asked the mailman. He's like, so who delivers your mail? Is that another mailman? Do <laughs> you know what I mean? And I thought about it, and it, it's like a really good point. It's like when you think about doctors, it's like, who's the doctor to that doctor? Like, where's mm-hmm. the conflict of interest come in where you think you know better than your own doctor, but what's going on with your body? Do yeah, you know what no, I mean? Yeah, exactly. like, I mean, sp- every,
2: every counselor, or at least should if not do have have a counselor of their own yeah they need someone to talk to about what they're dealing with having talked to a bunch of people about their stuff Mm -hmm. well
0: then you get but i think i think the problem though that you can run into is if you're a counselor and you're going to see another counselor is you yourself would deal with the situation where you think like whether or not that their methodology of going about dealing with your problems is the good or like like how you describe your problems to your counselor is based solely on your training as being a counselor. Do you know what I mean? So you're almost like like feeding your own ego at the same time. Like you are kind of like, you're like, this is what I think about myself and your counselor, depending on if you have a good one, is going to feed into your ego of what your process of your thought of like how you deal with the situation. They'll just be like, yeah, that's a good way of dealing with it when you're really like, yeah, I don't really need a yes man. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I can get that from my friends. Right? I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Like I have spent a lot of time looking for counselors in my life because I've been seeing counselors since I was like six years old. I got diagnosed with ADHD when I was a kid uh, and I've been dealing with it, not dealing with it, working with it my entire life. <laughs> I got to keep changing that idea of how I talk about it now because I've been speaking to a lot of people about it like recently and it's something that's um that's been coming up. It's like, oh, we're not really dealing. You're working with it. You're not dealing yeah, with yeah. it. Um, but i've 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 met with and and spent a lot of time with counselors before, and i've been i and I'm at a point now where I'm like, I know what kind of counselor I'm looking for, and it's someone who I feel encouraged to take care of myself with, you know because of their presence in the conversation that I'm having with them about my problems so they're not a lot of people um especially students that are dealing like um Because I I talk about mental health a lot with my friends and things like that. And a lot of people that I know, when we talk about mental health, a lot of them say, oh, I went to a counselor and didn't have a good experience. And Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, you're not going to have a good experience the first time you have a counselor most of the time. Because you don't – you go into the situation most often thinking that they're going to take away your problems when really it's not about that. It's about them helping you with your problems. Bring them up. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Like you you have to bring them up in order – to help yourself they're there. There is like a vehicle. Mm-hmm. They're like you're in a van. You get into the van and they're driving and you tell them where to go because they're totally lost. Right. Yeah, like yeah. they have to they have to know where to drive you to get from point A to point B. That's their process. They are the t- they are the cab driver to your problems. <laughs> you have to help you figure out where you need to go to help you get there in a, like, a comfortable way, right? Yeah, man. You know? And, and in and your own way, too. In your own way, exactly. Because you, I mean, depending on, I mean, I wouldn't say cab, because depending on, they're going to take you on their own way because they want to cheap you out. But <laughs> you, there's another metaphor there for a really shitty counselor. But, you know, no. um, <laughs> but, like, you know, I think, I think the thing is, is, like, a lot of people need to understand that, like, when you seek someone to help you, you need to understand that they're not going to help you like, take away your problems. You have to go in knowing that, like, not even a counselor, just a friend. You have to go in knowing that when you open yourself up to someone, that you're going to do it because you want to help yourself. And you know that talking to somebody about it is going to not take away the problems, but help you understand that there are people out there that will listen to you. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and I'm saying, like, I'm not saying your friends are the people that you need to go to when you have mental health problems or stuff that you have to deal with, um, but there are people there. They are a crutch to, like, you know, to help you out with stuff. Like, but, yeah. Yeah,
2: and there's a lot of different types of uh, therapy and counselors as well. I mean, exactly. like, you can, and what what works for one person might not work for another. Yeah. Right? So, it's, it's, exactly. it's about it's, finding what fits for you and then going with that scheme and not. Yeah.
0: I, I think that's what Patch kind of talks about in the film, too, is not, and, and he shows within the film, right? He does all these different things with that one patient. Right, the in three hundred five, right, the pancreatic cancer guy, which is funny. We never actually found out his name. What was his name? I don't even remember. I I just remember guy in three hundred five. Yeah, I don't. (laughs) But which is funny because we're not really supposed to in the film patches kind of advocate. His name is Bill Davis in the film. Yeah. Oh, his
1: real name is Peter Coyote.
0: Okay, that's pretty good last. Yeah, cool name. Yeah, but anyways, uh, I don't remember his name being brought up in the film, which is kind of funny. I think they call him bill probably yeah i don't remember um yeah. at some
2: point patch has got to ask his name like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to, yeah. <laughs>
0: but it's like patch tries all these crazy things to help this dude out mm-hmm. and and finally the one where they're discussing death in kind of like this these way, metaphoric terms yeah these yeah. metaphoric terms of like to go fishing you know mm-hmm. to go upstream without a paddle or to like, blink for a very long time yeah that's <laughs> one of the best ones yeah or uh it was like to get into a cab with no breaks or something like that. Or yeah. He had all these different types of ways to look at it, but that was what conne- connected with him finally. Yep. Before that, he tried uh, singing to him while massaging his feet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, you know, or uh, what else did he do? He dressed up, he put a blanket over, he put pants over his head and walked down the hallway or something like that.
1: Oh yeah. He like contorted himself in a, in a big jacket or something. Yeah. You know?
0: But like he tried all these different things. And then finally the one thing that connected with him was, you know, it's
2: like just being honest. Being it's being,
0: real. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's, and that's not to say that he wasn't being real the rest of the times. It's just like, I think that's just patch trying to figure out how to help somebody. And, and when, and somebody doesn't know that they need help, like, and that, and that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier is like when your friend passed away, Corey, I mm-hmm. was trying to figure out like, what could I do to help you yeah. with your situation? And I realized that the best thing I could do was just kind of be there.
2: Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And and that's the thing. And that's the thing with the, the guy in 305 is that he was probably running through every second of every day. I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm going to die. Yeah. And so sure. the final thing that reached him was just someone's saying to him yeah you're gonna die but like we don't need to talk about it like it's some mm-hmm. mysterious thing sure yeah. treat it with a bit of humility about, right yeah, yeah, that's exactly. what patch says
0: but that, but that's the thing that's interesting about how um that i was trying to connect with you earlier about your friend passing away is like i i didn't really know how to deal with it yeah uh as your friend not like not that not that you're dealing, like, at first I kind of took it as like, oh man, like, Corey's not going to be the same, we're not going to be able to <laughs> hang out the same way, and it's like, that's that's me saying like, oh, this is all about me, this is all about me, and yeah. then it was like, and then I remember stopping and being like, oh my god, what am I thinking like this? <laughs> One of his friends died, like, yeah. this is not about me, do you know what I mean? And that's so weird, it's like, we walk around in our world, you know, because all, you know, all we have is our Point of view right our perspective and that's why we have the shows mm-hmm. we bring people on to hear other people's thoughts on certain things right you know we're not going to agree with them all the time but we can come down we can have a conversation about it right yeah um like it, it, <laughs> this is kind of like off topic but i can't imagine someone with telekinesis or somebody who can read other people's mind being someone who isn't compassionate sure. do you know what i mean right, like yeah. like when you look at like professor x you know he's a bald man in a wheelchair like he's just i'm sure he's had his real bad moments and he has in the comic books but He's generally a pretty nice guy.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's, he's felt everyone's pain in the world. Exactly, so like, yeah, right? Yeah, like,
0: nah. and but there that removes this element of like, I'm not going to say narcissism, but like egotism that we all have within ourselves. That like, when we go into a situation, it's like when someone's sad, we try to fix it because we don't want to be in that sad place with them because mm-hmm. we don't mm-hmm. want it to hurt us. Yeah, We don't want to bring ourselves down, right? We don't want to get into that hole because who knows, we might get stuck in that hole and then how do we get out? You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. But then, but it's a metaphorical situation where it's like, you know, I think people need to realize like when Corey's, when, when your friend passed away, it's yeah. not, it's not my friend didn't die. So, you know, he was on a friend of mine. So, but if I get in that hole with you, mm-hmm. I'm going to be able to get out and I'll probably be able to help you get out better getting into the hole than you would by yourself if yeah. you need it, right? Like, because, like, if I remove myself from the situation of my own idea of, like, how this is going to affect me, and we put it into a situation, situations, like, how am I going to help you? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just to be there for you. Yeah, it's like, for sure. I might get sad, but also my friend didn't pass away. Yeah. If that makes any sense. No, totally. Right? You,
2: you could look at it, though, that your friend's friend passed away. Yeah. And so in that sense, you... St- if you You're are able to, to truly it. connect yeah, yeah. to it then you can feel the sadness because someone who you care about who you love is yeah. feeling the sadness right yeah it
0: sounds better when you say
2: it isaac it makes me sound <laughs> it makes me sound a little less like an asshole that's what <laughs> like i appreciate it, buddy a funny scene that i uh, like in the film was when patch and i think his two other colleagues uh, came in with balloon animals mm. and they were G- they gave a one of the older patients a elastic gun yeah yeah and and he wanted one last safari yeah, yeah. and so he's just blasting ele- and he's got like <laughs> pictures beside his beside his bed of like dead elephants or giraffes or all these like endangered animals that he has yeah, yeah. and uh, like i get the appeal of it and uh making this guy happy but it's like Okay, his, he wanted one last safari where he's just blasting a bunch of endangered animals, <laughs> and yeah. he's sitting in
0: bed. It's funny because well, so that could give that that kind of gives context to our society today, though, like how we publicly shame people who go out on these safaris with endangered animals, yeah. like, where they kill like big game animals and stuff like that. Because that's like an actual thing. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Netflix, there's this show with Nathan Farrier, who's like this. Like, who's that again? He's, oh, he's uh, the, Nathan to me or whatever. No, Nathan Farrier. He's the he's. I think his name's Nathan Farrier or. Something Farrier. He's a documentarian who did the film Tickled with the whole like... Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That really weird like Tickled documentary was about odd. like underground tickle competitions. I didn't finish that. And, too uh, weird. And he did this other one that was called Dark Tourism on Netflix. It was really interesting. And they huh. do like... They have these things where like a lot of like, people come to these countries, like poorer countries... And they like spend a lot of money, and then these like locals will take them out to go kill these animals with like massive guns and stuff. Oh like that. yeah, yeah. Right? For, give like... them an
2: AK and then go hunt a rhino. Yeah, or exactly. Like yeah, yeah, you yeah, what I mean, yeah, like yeah. just
0: crazy shit like that. Like, and uh, I remember Farrier did this thing where he he tried to see how far he could go with the the whole thing, and he was like, "Well, how much would it cost if I you know blow up that cow over there?" Right. You know, <laughs> and he goes, "Well, it's not going to cost you very much. Just give us like five hundred bucks, something like that." And they gave him like five hundred bucks and uh and then the one of the guys that was there like basically got went out and got the you know got the cow or something Mm -hmm. and they brought a bazooka it's just like yeah they
2: do that still like in vietnam you can do that you can we can buy a cow and get an rpg it's crazy it's crazy
0: but the thing is is like that's a good point to bring up it's like we look at that now that's that whole scene being like oh jesus yeah like yikes like and know. at the
2: time i'm sure it was probably just like a playful scene that like yeah. uh, you know it's just this guy wanted to do one last uh, hunting trip and not that i have anything against hunting but just yeah so far, this well so far, you yourself yeah. are a hunter too yeah, yeah. but
0: like you're not gonna go out and like poach animals you know what i mean no like yeah. especially animals that you don't use for anything i think that's a good scene to bring up because it's like it just goes ahead and shows like another context of how we see our society changing today mm-hmm. like you know how we don't see that as like a thing that's acceptable anymore but yeah it was something that they did to make him happy yeah, yeah. You know what i mean it's like i would never contone any some, someone's happiness no matter how old you are to be like a thing like yeah just go out and kill some like endangered animals you know what i mean <laughs> like and 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 promote that like right. with more balloons like that are in the shape of animals like the one thing that i didn't get about that scene was like how many Bullets that he had in that gun. Yeah, right? yeah, he, he yeah.
2: went off like twenty or I'm something like sure that. You, but... auto. I'm yeah. pretty sure that you
0: only get one shot with that thing. Like, yeah. yeah, I think it's like the rubber band gun only has one shot.
2: You get like you get like four, but. They usually get tangled when you go past, like, two or something like well, that. Well, it just goes to
0: show how far Hollywood would go when they don't count bullets. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, in <laughs> movies, or they'll even do it with rubber band guns. Do you know how, like, in Jackie Chan movies, or, like, I remember watching Rush Hour once, and I was like, this guy had, like, a 10 mag clip gun, clock Glock, or something like that, or 16 mag, and he shot, like, 34 times yeah, or something like yeah. that, and I was just like... That's so impossible. Like, you would have reloaded like 80 times. Oh, well, he did it off screen. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. see him carrying. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. But it, it's just interesting to bring that up. But yeah, it's a funny scene.
1: Also, can I ask what the deal is with that old woman and her fantasy of being in a pool of spaghetti? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Weird. yeah. So, <laughs> so weird.
0: Yeah, when we were watching that scene. Uh, Jesse was watching the film with us, and he just goes, first of all, she was like telling this she's like, when I was a little girl, like, <laughs> I'd like to put my hand in the... In the while well, my mom was boiling noodles in in the boil I just squished them in my hands, you know. And my brother just goes, Jesse just goes, that would hurt, yeah, because <laughs> you're putting your hand in water, like yeah. in hot water, while they're boiling noodles. Like, why would you do that?
2: You know what I mean? And like, how hot was that pool at the end? They're just yeah. pouring on oh. like, a...
0: dude, those are some soggy noodles. Oh, it looked nasty. Yeah. Those looked... look like Mr. Noodle noodles, yeah, that, like totally. that have been sitting out in the hot sun, just like ruminating and like just waterlogged. I wonder if they ate any oh man that would be so gross a little nibble the part where he got out of the pool and then walked around where he was like (laughs) somewhat half wet like he was like a half wet it it didn't even look like he was wet it looked like his shirt was stained Mm. because of like some sort of sauce that was on the noodles or like like the weird like flowery like substance that are on Mm -hmm. noodles like Mm -hmm. yeah it was weird man it was so funny when he tried to swim too oh, oh the do the angels yeah, I, yeah what yeah. was the obsession about I, I don't know man it was, was it's strange. it was really strange and like somewhat a little
2: bit sexual like just kind of <laughs>
0: like just kind of like this is kind of weird for like an old lady to talk about how she wants to swim in a b- thing of
2: noodles like that's so, that's funny because i, I totally like, went to that place too but it does, i don't think there's anything inherently sexual <laughs> no. about a thing of noodles it's just like it's, it's more, just it's where it's, we go it's you know? just
0: like it's not even it's more of like a fetish thing do you know what i mean yeah or you want to talk about the Robin Williams thing?
1: Um, Yeah, I guess um, just for the next point, I kind of wanted to bring up how I noticed kind of um, Robin Williams' character in the movie and Robin Williams' in real life. There's a few kind of similarities there. Oh, how so? Um, Well, obviously, we all know how Robin Williams passed away. Yeah. Uh, He committed suicide. And Patch Adams in the film was suicidal. And then I feel like they both use humor to kind of heal and that's their way of feeling better about themselves.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, it's quite interesting, yeah, to watch mm-hmm. this film and realize that he died by killing himself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, when you think about it, I mean, he struggled with bipolar disorder his entire life, mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, and that was a huge situation with him. Um,
2: well, a quote actually by him was that uh, sometimes the best people to help others get out of depression or to get... Uh, Like, just helping people are the people who have experienced depression or are going through it themselves because they know what it feels like and they don't want to see anyone else in that state.
0: Yeah, Yeah, man. I totally believe that. That shit's real. Like, Mm -hmm. I can tell you so many times where I just, like, I've cried for somebody else because I don't want them to be in pain anymore. Like, I just want to take, like, I want to take away their pain. Exactly. I heard, I heard this really cool, again, I'm going off top again, but I heard this really cool story once um, that someone had written and they made into a radio drama about about how, like, um, there's like a, sur- a pain surrogate where you take away somebody's pain and you take it on yourself. Mm. So, like, people that get hired basically to become surrogates for pain. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, say you lost a loved one, it's like we remove that aspect of your loss and we put it into somebody else and they experience it for like two weeks. So, you don't have to hold on to it.
2: Is, sorry is that that's from a movie it's or just no, it's like a, some it's some it's piece of thing isn't
0: it? it's a radio drama that i listened to it was really really interesting it was somebody's story that they do came people up
2: actually with. like real people actually do this
0: no it, no it doesn't actually happen right I you can't do this that? in real life yeah, yeah, but right. uh, what i'm saying is it's like i mean w- maybe one day but what i'm saying is like that aspect though like i mean i feel like everyone's experienced that where you want to take somebody's pain away so bad that you would rather experience it for them so mm-hmm. that way you don't have to see them in pain and that just if anything shows love and compassion right it's like like, you know, I've, I've felt that before where it's like, I've cried so long and so hard over other people experiencing pain in their life because you just don't want them to be hurt anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like over things that are, you know, you know, that are in your life, not really a, a, that big of a deal. But when you think about it, it's just like, you see how much struggle they go through and you're just like, God, I, you know, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, I wish I, like some people actually mean it when they say like, And I'm someone who means it when I say, like, I wish you didn't have to go through this. I wish I could take your pain away Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and give it to myself. Because, like I said, many times on this show, it's like, I've gone through a lot in my 25 years of being alive. Like, I know what it feels like to have experienced loss, love, and all this other shit. And I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying, like, woe is me. Like, I'm a big deal. I'm just saying that, like, I've gone through a lot. And... I know that I don't want people to go through a lot of the things that I've gone through in my life mm-hmm. because it sucks and I still deal with it. Yeah. And it's like when I see someone go, who someone who I care about go through something like that or almost getting there, you almost want to like stop them. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, don't no, go no, down no. that like, path. Don't go down yeah, that path. You yeah. know <laughs> what I mean? But then at the same time, you can't, the only way people will learn is if they experience it themselves, yeah. right? You know, and it's, it's something that's really difficult is like you, that, that's an aspect of me like I have is like trying to control the things around me, trying to control, you know, a piece of someone, you know, that you don't realize that they need to go through, right? They need to go through this element of growth.
2: Yeah. There's a good quote by, uh, Carl Jung where he says, uh, if the path before you is easy, you're on the wrong path or you're yeah, on someone okay. else's path.
0: You're on somebody's, yeah, off. yeah, yeah that's, that's totally true. Like, I think if, I think if, uh, I don't know. I think what makes Patch the character and Patch the person in real life so compelling is because he himself has experienced loss. Like the the real Patch Adams, actually, like he lost his father from a heart attack and then he lost his surrogate father, his uncle, mm-hmm. um, from suicide too. And he himself, um, Patch Adams in real life, experienced that element of suicide in real life as well um, at a very young age. and And that's something that's, I think it's something that, like, I mean, bringing it up again is something that I think society is becoming more aware of is that kids, you know, you know, boys are going to be boys and girls are going to be girls. But we all deal with, like, the outside world very differently, especially when we are exposed to it in, like, schools and stuff like that. Because kids are mean, man. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. when we experience bullying, it's like, it hurts. And when you're a guy, too, and sometimes you're being told, to, like, hey, you know, don't be emotional or, like, suck it up. It's just kind of like, well... I don't know if I suck it up and I hide it, you know, it's like, what is that? Like, how am I going to get through other things? You know what I mean? If I don't tell anybody, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I don't know. It's a good, it's a good way to look at the world is like, what, like just experience the pain and like tell people about it. I think, uh, it's important. Sorry. What did you want to bring up?
1: Uh, yeah, just kind of, uh, two interesting facts that kind of relate Robin Williams to the movie as well. um, there's a scene where you see him go into the children's ward, and there's, you know, kids with cancer there. Uh, those kids were in real life actually part of Make-A-Wish Foundation, and that, so oh. they were actually sick, and they got in the film. I thought so. Yeah, to go talk to Robin Williams. I thought so. Yeah. That was interesting. They had
2: the Make-A-Wish Foundation back then?
0: 98? Yeah. yeah oh, I believe so. Huh? I, think, I, had that had a, I been... think it's been around for ages. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. No, I believe it, because a lot of those people did actually look sick. I was mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, like, Jesse made a comment. I was like, I wonder if they had real sick people in this. know, mm-hmm. I was like, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. <laughs> yeah, like, Those people do not look healthy. Yeah, um, they definitely Or do. they look like they have something going on um, mm-hmm. with their, you know, just physically based on what they look like. They yeah. like they look like they were going struggling through chemo or struggling stuff. with yeah. something. Yeah.
1: yeah that was if, a f- it's kind of neat to think that, you know, their reactions are genuine. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Rob Williams is actually making these kids laugh and have a good time.
2: Yeah, well, I, I can probably... With 100% certainty, that all those scenes were improvised by Robin Williams, oh, yeah. and so he was just probably standing there goofing off in front of these kids yeah, for a for couple sure. hours, and they were just filming it and used the best parts.
1: Yeah, well, I know I was laughing pretty hard at that yeah, stuff, yeah. it was really funny. Yeah, um, but yeah, and then the second little bit Christopher Reeves, the guy who played uh, the original Superman, right? Um, obviously, he got in a pretty intense car accident, and then that left him a paraplegic. Is that I think it's a quadriplegic, quadriplegic, yeah. yes.
0: He had no, like, functioning arms or limbs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Paraplegics, um, I think, is just your legs. Just the legs, yeah. yeah.
1: But um Robin Williams actually came into his uh, room when he was at the hospital with, a like, a mask on and a doctor's outfit and was talking in a Russian accent and doing all this weird stuff. So he basically pulled, like, a real-life Patch Adams really? for him. And Christopher Reeves said, yeah, that's the first time I've laughed in a long time. Yeah. So he actually did that in real life, oh, that's cool, which that's oh, pretty cool.
0: Yeah, no, I... uh I remember finding out about Christopher Reeves when I was a kid because mm. I really liked Superman when I was a kid. Yeah, finding out and then watching him on television and stuff like that. I remember watching Superman three, and I love that movie. Is that the one with? It's um, the worst one, but everyone like everyone hates it. But I loved it when I was a kid because it was the <laughs> only Superman. Is that I where had.
1: like the bad guys get trapped in a square and they float away?
0: no that's this is the one down
2: from space or whatever yeah yeah three yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's the only one i remember this is the
0: one where uh superman there's a bad superman and a good superman and they fight in a garbage dump (laughs) and
1: uh, oh is that where he spins around so fast that the
0: world goes back in time i think so maybe
1: oh my gosh yeah Yeah, i remember that yeah yeah. that's a
0: real thing that superman can do so (laughs) Uh, just heads up uh no but yeah when i found out about it i was really sad and then he died and then his wife died shortly after um, so kind of based on what you were saying or kind of alluding to at the beginning of the episode when we were talking about doctors and kind of like how there might be some out there who aren't the greatest is yeah. that kind of what you were saying, where there's that aspect of like the patient to, you know, person piece that might be missing. Um, I well, don't know.
2: I think that's, I think that there, there's, uh, examples of that in a lot of professions and teaching oh, yeah, or yeah. In any really help, helping, pr- pr- helping uh, profession. Where people start to look at, because it is such an intense job, caring for someone else, regardless of what you're doing, uh, people start to look at the people they're caring for as a burden. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. then that starts to affect them and I think deteriorate the quality if it didn't already start out that way.
0: On the other hand, too, in regards to perspective of the doctor, um, I think it becomes difficult for the doctor as well. because they they might also get to that point because they feel like they you know i i see this i feel this way sometimes in my own job where it's like sometimes like the customer will blame me because of the problems that they have that they don't know how to order something properly oh yeah and it's just like it's not my fault you have this problem i'm trying to help you with it (laughs) do you know what i mean like just in general just like on a day-to-day it's like it's like because you're dealing with such a thing as like life or death you know or you know sickness and being better You know, doctors, I feel like, deal with the full brunt of it sometimes. And someone who might be a really good doctor could be, you know, could be put at the blame because they screwed up once. Like, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing with, like, the Superman effect. Like, Superman has to be on point 100% of the time. Yeah. Because if 99.9%... That's not going to cut it because a bad guy could blow up something and then the whole world screwed, right? And then everyone has to blame Superman. It's the same thing with a doctor. It's like you could be a good doctor and screw up and everyone's going to point the finger at you. And if you live with that mentality where you feel like, you know, oh, what's the difference? Like the patient's just going to not like me anyways if I make a decision for them that they're not going to like that might be the problem. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And then they might get to that point where they start needing to feel that they have to treat them as – as like another person with a disease as opposed to like a patient in a name
2: yeah because it could go even so far as they didn't mess up and people blame them oh right? yeah like for there's, sure. there's uh counseling sessions where people will sit on the other side and scream at you for the whole hour yeah blaming you for everything yeah and it's not it's not them but it's just you know a way of release it's se. what they're going through yeah right yeah, exactly. and it's
0: and it's hard too because especially in those professions you have to learn to understand when to take something personally and when not to and you Mm -hmm. have to train yourself because a lot of times when someone is yelling at you because you've screwed up it's it, it could be because you screwed up or it could be because the person is going through something and they need someone to blame yeah exactly do you know what i mean and i can't imagine what it has to be for a doctor when they're going through that situation where it's like something's gone wrong and you're kind of like the head of the situation and you're like well did i screw up or is this person just looking at me because they need somebody to blame and it's like I feel like because of the kind of doctors that I think that need to be, you know, brought up in our world now, they're going to that that situation is going to be hard to deal with because if you want to be compassionate for someone and have this outlook of like a patch Adams, it's like you have to understand when to know when you have actually done something wrong mm-hmm. and to kind of take that transference and not go too far and be and have the ability to say, you know what, I actually did my job here and I did what was right I thought for the patient. It didn't end up working out. And now my, now their family members are blaming me because of that. it's like, look, I did everything I could in my own I- idea and I'm sorry it didn't work out and mm-hmm. I'm sorry they passed away or they got more sick or whatever. You know what I mean? And I think that's the issue. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's something that I th- I think a lot of doctors are going to deal with if we, if we do keep pushing this, you know, thing. And it, it's so hard. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean?
2: It's a, it's a, it's a tight rope to walk. For yeah. Sure. Cause I mean, the only, the only way you're going to get rid of blame is with forgiveness. Exactly, And even just forgiveness of the self, you know, a doctor, if, if a doctor feels comfortable and forgives himself Mm. for the slip up and understands, okay, I'm only human, I slip up, then as much as someone blames you, as long as you're sure and comfortable with what you do or what you did, uh, it doesn't affect you as much or doesn't carry with, it shouldn't, not I shouldn't say it doesn't affect you as much, but it doesn't carry with you as much.
0: Yeah. And it does. I mean, when they were talking about that that scene with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Robert Williams where you know he found out that he was getting blamed or something for or he was getting said for cheating or something like that and i would say that having the prick doctor is even worse because they're not able to discern when they've actually screwed up because they think because they've read all these books and they've done the work that there's no way that they could screw up. So then when they do screw up and they are being blamed, they're not going to be, they're going to be able to forgive themselves because they're not really considering the fact that they did anything wrong. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Whereas like someone who's compassionate and dealing with the, you know, it like, that's what I'm talking about is we were kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier is this balance of the transference. It's like, how much do you, you know, how much can you be human mm-hmm, <laughs> with mm-hmm. someone who is being human with you? Do you know what I mean? Who's going through the essence of life and death? Right. Do you know what I mean?
2: This is this is an extreme example and it might be a bit off uh, bit off topic. But I don't know if you've ever seen the videos on YouTube or any social media that where it's a serial killer on trial. Yeah. And people will come up, every every victim's parents will come up and get to say something. And there's this one video in particular I'm thinking of where they talk about how the whole day these families came up and they're blaming this guy. They're just t- telling him how evil, how pure evil he is and all this. Mm. And then near the end of the day, a father comes up of, and I think his daughter had been killed by this guy. And he stands up there and he says, I forgive you. Mm. Um, it's what I believe is a right. And I like I, I don't know what you've gone through in your life, but I forgive you for what you've done. And the guy just starts bawling. Yeah, he's yeah, had this that's... stone cold face the whole day when people have been blaming and screaming at him. And then the second someone shows a bit of compassion, a bit of humanity, I th- he just sinks. You know, it, and not necessarily uh, sinks to the bad place, but just sinks to a yeah.
1: That, an that important would, place that would, that would take a lot to do, oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's probably incredible. more
2: uh, willpower than I' say I have for sure. <laughs> yeah I, that, that would be tough
0: I think yeah, dealing with death in general it's just a very especially when it comes to who's to blame it's something that's some I think society has a hard time dealing with because it's like sometimes there's no one to blame I mean like we're all human, we're all mm-hmm. gonna like you know we're all gonna mess up, right we yeah. can build machines to try and fix the problems that we ourselves as humans can't really hundred percent get right all the time but we can build a machine that could try to do so but when the machine screws up where to blame still yeah do you know what i mean like
2: um and i I think we talk about mental health like it's Certain people have it and certain people don't. But I think... no, everyone I mean, has We it. all have mental health issues. Yeah, like, you we know? all have... We certain... all go...
0: We all have a consciousness. Yeah, exactly. Like, just some people deal with it differently than mm-hmm. others. Like, some people think certain ways.
2: And some people have gone through worse situations. And yeah. I mean, worse is a spectrum, but... And then
0: some people... Yeah, and then some people deal with those situations differently than others, right? Like, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, we're not in other people's heads. That's why I think that if we had a bunch of... If all of us were... Tele- like, if all of us could read each other's brains... First of all, it'd be nuts. Uh, it'd be nuts. <laughs> yeah, let's look into that. Uh, but at the same time, like I think, you know, like we there if we had a couple of people like that, we'd have a lot more reason to understand how compassion works because we teach other people how to be that way. Mm. I don't know. I always bring myself back to like the X-Men sometimes when I think about like how to treat other people, because in that, in what that, what that whole series of comic books would advocate is just this element of like, treating different people on their individual basis of what they're dealing with on a day-to-day. Yeah, very inclusive. And the individual who is like the head of dealing with all these things are the person is the one person who can read all of their minds mm-hmm. and knows what they're thinking, so can experience and understand what their pain is mentally because they're in their
2: conscience. You know what I mean? A good A good exercise I did for practicing that, and I still do actually quite frequently, is I'll be sitting on a bus or walking just anywhere in public and someone will pass me. And you know how people pass you and they're just a blip in basically your day. So they're a person. Yeah, yeah. And so what I'll do is I'll then start to imagine what that person thought of me. And I'm just a blip in their day. And yeah. then so I'm, I'm visualizing as well as I can what they're doing now, where they're going, what yeah. they're thinking about, what they thought about when they walked past me, how they don't think about it. Past five seconds, you know, the same, way, the same way I would do it to them. Yeah. And I felt that that really helped me grasp that everyone just, you know, yeah, just different. Keeps on.
0: yeah. no one. And also too, it helps you uh, gain a, s- a semblance of humility too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that like, You're
2: not so big and you're, you're yeah. not
0: the, the center of attention. Like, because again, like all we have is our own minds to think about how we look at the rest of the world. Yeah. And like, if we all are just a little bit more like patch Adams and just like take on that essence of humility so much. So, and just laugh about it, you mm-hmm. know, like, mm-hmm. and we understand that, you know, we're all just a bunch of, you know, organisms walking around on a big rock floating through space it's just like jesus like you know what i mean (laughs) like sometimes when i get a little bit down i think the best thing i could do is actually look and see how small it is Is kind of what you do so like if there are people out there who deal with mental health and stuff like that or who are working with through their not deal with i keep on saying it but are working through (laughs) mental health you know look at this as kind of like an example is like how can you look at yourself You know, in a way that, you know, or look at other people like, you know, see like, you know, I've got I've got problems, Mm -hmm. but like I'm so small compared to those problems. Like, you know, I ever since I was a kid, I think the best thing I was able to do when I started getting anxious or worrying about something, I just think about like, you know, I'm literally a piece of dust in the like the existence of humans Mm -hmm. and like the existence of like the entirety of, you know. The world and it's spinning I don't right. know. Yeah, but
2: yeah you can really get uh lost when you go in that yeah <laughs> in that you're way. just
0: like oh my god like i'm just a blip yeah, like in yeah. nothing just but then
2: but then that comes into where you can start discussing ideas of this collective consciousness or this other thing that connects us that isn't this physical thing. yeah yeah but that's that's a whole theological debate.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this was Patch Adams. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it sure was. This was a good. Uh, this was a good discussion, yeah. I and mean, I enjoyed this quite a bit. And I'm, cl- I mean, sometimes on this show, this is what it's made for. You know, it's made for. Uh, <laughs> it's we'll go off on different ideas because I mean, there is a lot in this film. But I mean, in itself, I think this is the essence of the show. We have this show to discuss perspectives and connect with each other. And uh, thank you very much, Isaac, for bringing this film on the show. It was a good film discuss this week.
2: Yeah, I love talking about it. With yeah. You
0: guys. But yeah, with that comes to the end of our discussion of the film Patch Adams. Corey, how do you think we did?
1: I think we did just super duper. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Well, that's good.
0: I guess that brings us to the part of the show where we give our arbitrary reviews because we are not film reviewers. We are film discussers, and mm-hmm. therefore everything we say from here on out is arbitrary. I, I mean, did. everything before was arbitrary. Yeah, we're take, arbitrary. Take it or leave it. <laughs> Don't have to keep it and put it in your brain box. But, uh, Corey, what is your arbitrary review for this film?
1: My arbitrary review of this film would probably be a courtroom full of people with red noses.
0: <laughs> very good. Yeah. Very good. It's a good movie, then. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Isaac, what's your arbitrary review?
2: I'd probably give it a four endangered animals out of five. Okay. Oh, very good. Very spicy.
0: Oh, my goodness. Sounds a bit controversial. A bit. It's a controversial. Could yeah. be. Where's the fifth one gone, right? <laughs> That old man in the noodle lady. In
1: the noodle lady, <laughs> I meant to say noodle lady. <laughs> it's an old man in the noodle lady. <laughs> I don't know. um Hey, Brendan. Hey, what's up? What is your arbitrary review of this film?
0: uh Close to yours a little bit. Oh, I'm going to give it one big red nose that you honk. It <laughs> makes sounds. Nice. Yeah, it's very good. Very good. Yeah. But that brings us to the end of another episode of The Real Rant. I just wanted to say, Isaac, thank you very much for coming on our show this week and discussing the film Patch Adams. It's been a lot of fun, and we'd love to have you back sometime. Mm -hmm.
2: I would love to be back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's good, man. That's good.
0: Now, with that, uh, Corey, Uh is there one last word that you'd like to say before we end the show? Squirrel. And Isaac. Health. And scene.